I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. This is a weekend update for the week ending August 21, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? Well, first off, we look at the daily chart and we say what jumps off the page at us and then we take that because it's the weekly report we have the weekly close. We're going to look at weekly charts. We're also going to look at other charts. We're going to get an assessment of where the market is and what the likely scenario is going forward, for example, over the next few weeks. What jumps off the page on the daily chart is really the same old, same old. We have an uptrend. The trend is our friend until it's not. They came up short of a gap on Thursday, took off to the upside follow through on Friday after overnight shenanigans, making it look like the reversal candle from Thursday was going to fail by the time they opened up and got going on Friday morning. Well, guess what? Another rescue operation ensued. Here's the daily chart of the ES E-mini futures contract, and you can see the last two days in a row, Thursday and Friday, We had tail candles, not big tail candles, not at lows. So we're not taking those as market reversals. They're already near the highs. What we're looking at is a market that had every excuse in the book to continue down both days and they chose not to. They chose to A, send the prevent defense on the field. A rescue operation ensued and the market finished near the highs both days. That's the market telling you something. Here's another thing. We're very, very close in the ES contract to 3400 in the SPY contract or SPY alone, $340. Here's an hourly chart of the continuous contract for the futures. You can see here on Thursday in the middle of the night, 11 p.m., they were making a low around 334475 all the way up into the close Thursday, only to go back down overnight once again. Here we are again at 9 a.m. Friday morning, making a low of 33.56. So essentially, they made it look like they were going to fail before the opening bell, only to have a rescue operation and ended up putting in, guess what? A higher low. So we talk about lower highs. Well, here we have the reverse scenario. We have a low and we have a higher low. That's bullish just the same as a high with a lower high is bearish. Pretty garden variety stuff. The weekly chart. Is there any change in the weekly chart? Is there any negative activity? Does the market look like it's doing anything bearish? No. However, we are extended away from home base. What's home base? The 20 period moving average. It's the red trend line. It's pretty far from price. They're not going to get too, too far from price before having to either do one of two things. Go sideways for a while, giving home base a chance to creep back up to price, or price will come down toward home base. Either way, they're not going to get too far away. When they do get too far, there's a snapback scenario. So here in March, here's a perfect example of they got way too far. 
There's no measurement to know how far they can get exactly. Even if we just took symmetry into account using this weekly chart, there's more to go in the northern direction. Doesn't mean they'll get all the way there to create a perfect symmetrical chart. However, it's an awareness we need to know about. There's two things going on. A, they're getting too far, so ultimately they're going to have to pull back, and we're going to get more into that in a little while. And B, just because that's the case doesn't mean they still can't go higher. They are going higher. Speaking of going higher, and we no longer need this line, that gap on the next go-around is certainly not going to be the same type of potential support that it would have been on Thursday, even though they came up short, we were expecting that gap to at least hold at a minimum from an intraday perspective. Let's discuss expectations. Let's discuss possible schematics. Let's throw in a little bit of psychology. We'll sprinkle on some opinion along the way. We set the stage with the market's in an uptrend and there's really nothing that says the market can't go higher. So that's on the table. The weekly chart is really, really far away from home base, but the daily chart is really a creeping market. This is actually a pretty strong trend, and it can go on for a while. But here's what we have to watch out for. So if we see something like this developing, you'll be aware that there's a change potentially happening in the market. So in situations like this, we may get a final kind of blow-off slash melt-up phase. We've seen it before. Maybe it lasts for one day, maybe it lasts for a few days. At this point, do we think the market's going to stop at 3,400? Maybe it stopped on Friday, maybe that was it, very, very close to 3,400, 340 in the SPY. Or the fact that we're creeping up here, maybe we have one final melt-up phase, you get a little bit of a short squeeze and a final phase, FOMO kicks in, panic buying kicks in, euphoria takes over. The market appears that it's going to the moon only to have it reverse back down, take back a lot of the recent gain really, really quickly, have traders and investors look back in a few days or a couple of weeks and say, holy cow, that was ridiculous. Yep, that was the top. Apple was perpetually up 500 bucks a share. We all see that. You have a parabolic move, if I can use that term, in Tesla along with Apple. And there's some other stuff that looks like that. So with the awareness that this can go on for a while, it's not normal. It's culminating, and this is where my opinion comes in, it's culminating to a pretty important top forming in the market. Now, again, we've been talking about we're looking for signs and signal of a trend change. We're looking for a top. We're in the zone. I believe that to be true. We're on the lookout, but we also have to realize it's hard to kill a bull. So what's going to turn the market? Well, here's another projection and opinion. We're going to have some kind of an event. Maybe it's recycled news that gets worse. Maybe it's new news. We'll call it a potential black swan event. Now, when I say this, I'm not necessarily saying that we're going to retest the March lows in a hurry. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something that changes the complexion of the market for a period of time. It's a corrective phase. Maybe it lasts for a few weeks. Maybe it lasts longer, like a couple of months. We have the election coming up. Does anybody really think 
that leading into the election, as we get closer and closer, the market's just going to slough off all the bad news, all the potential scenarios that are out there, continue higher indefinitely, or are we likely to see some pickup in volatility leading into the election? After all, there's a pretty stout market out there for fear-mongering. We've got a bucket full of complacency right now, so we have quiet markets and light volume, and we talk about this on a frequent basis as well. When volume does come into the market, it causes accentuated moves in either direction because there's no volume now, so when you get a flood, it's like everybody running for either the entrance or the exit. Either way, it doesn't matter. It sends the market on a fury in a hurry. So we have to be aware of that. So a spark, whether it's positive or negative or both, can send the market gobbling up a lot of points in a hurry. Whether it's manufactured event, manufactured news, or something really does happen, maybe it's more infighting or outfighting with China. Maybe it's something we don't even see coming. Either way, this is where more opinion enters the race. I see it as a higher probability than not that something like that happens between now and the election. I don't think that's a revelation. I don't think that's rocket science. I don't think that's necessarily the work of Nostradamus. I think it's common sense and logic. Here's another thing that I think is worth addressing. So there's a lot of scuttlebutt out there about if, in fact, the Democrats take back the White House and Congress, for example, the market's going to crash. It's not necessarily the people or the titles that make the market crash, but it's the policies that they stand behind that the market likely won't like. However, let's understand something. That is the prevailing wisdom out there. Let's just say this hypothetical scenario plays out. Trump's one and done, Biden and Harris unseat a sitting president, take over the White House. Here's the deal. Regardless of what the policies may or may not do into the future, 2021, 2022, whatever it is, if the market was trading down into the election period, for example, just the fact that the election is over and the unknown becomes a known, you're likely to get a relief rally which at the time, and it's premature because they wouldn't have even taken the White House over yet or the administration over yet. But at the time, if you got a relief rally, the discussion would be, no, 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 they're going to be great for the market, party on, yada, yada, yada. The media and most people for that matter tend to really just simplify and extrapolate current information into the future. What's happening now must always continue. That's kind of the prevailing wisdom in the media. They have a hard time projecting into the future, seeing things different than they are today. Why is that? Your guess is as good as mine. One thing we do know, and this applies to everything, not just the market, but nothing ever stays the same. Things change. Societies change. Companies change. The market changes. Our lives change. Our needs and wants change. Our likes and dislikes change. Everything changes on a constant basis. The market changes all the time. Every bull market ends. Every rally ends. Every bear market ends. Every correction ends. When these things do end, a new phase begins. When we finish one grade in school, the next one begins. 
when we finish college, the next phase of our lives begin. When we retire from our employer, the next phase of our life begins. When we get married, another phase begins. We're no longer single, big change, honeydew list that never ends. Enough with the soapbox. Let's turn our attention inside the numbers. Here's the pre-market commentary. We'll take a look at stocks on the move after the fact. It was a bit of a rodeo in the futures overnight. First they were up. We talked about the fact that they were down. They were both. So let's continue on a little bit and see what was happening as we were leading into the opening bell. The awareness is we have the gap left open from yesterday. That's the obvious. They didn't do it, but we had to know about it before the opening bell. Remember, I showed you the chart at 9 a.m. in the morning. They were making lows in the futures. Here we go again. We have 337. Important, very important number. On the north side, 338 to 338 and a quarter. Now remember, what is resistance becomes support, and also what is support becomes resistance. So the 338 will become support as the day gets underway. Before the opening bell, they started to push higher. So we're already zeroed in on an important spot, 338.28. That would be the gap left open from yesterday's close if they open below it. If they open above it, it's more bullish than obviously opening below it. So we're interested to see the open. Moving right along. Couple of quick rocket rides, PDD and BZUN. We'll get to the stocks on the move later. Baidu was a close call, no cigar. We'll take a look at that chart anyway. Right out of the gate, the SPY was working on the northern gap. So we're saying short-term candles and hourly candle closes above that gap is bullish. That's the same number we just talked about. Yesterday or Thursday's closing price. If they drop, there you go with 337. That's in the 938 post. And we know that below 337 is trouble for the bulls. So as the day gets going, we have an early schematic. When we see numbers put up on the board... 337, 338, other numbers over time. They're important numbers and therefore they have a couple of different functions. If the market gets above a number or below a number, it becomes resistance or support. Yes, we know that. But also running tests is also part of the equation. A lot of times if we're watching a short-term chart and we watch the market moving what seems to be rather quickly and it's moving into an important spot, 337, for example, or 338, and it's going quickly. We tend to think that if it's going down, it's going to trade right through. If it's going up, it's going to trade right through. But the reality is, when we see that happening, and this doesn't apply to creeping markets nearly as much as it applies to a market or a stock that's heading quickly for that destination, just like the morning trades, just like stocks on the move. They're heading for the destination. They're running the test. If it's a successful test, they'll spike it through. They'll come up short. They'll hit it on the nose. They'll turn around and they'll get the heck out of there. If it's a test and it's a successful test, there's no reason to stick around. If it's not a successful test, A, they'll trade right through, or B, and by the way, which in the case of A, could have just been the wrong number. I could have had the wrong number. That's certainly on the table. But B, they can also hang out for a cup of coffee, which means that while they didn't go straight to the second destination or the real destination, they hung around for a cup of coffee because both numbers were important, but they had more testing to do. 
This is just the way I look at things. You're inside my head. It's a dangerous place to be. This is what you signed up for. Moving right along. At 9.50 in the morning, we're talking about 3.39 to 3.39 and a quarter. First, they got to the gap. And here's where the storyline begins to develop for the day. So here's a picture. We're thinking about market symmetry when we look at this hourly chart of the S&P. I'm saying this looks, quote-unquote, truncated. It doesn't look done. It looks like there's more to go. If you believe it all in market symmetry, I think there's more to go. So this was taken early today. This was taken about 10 o'clock in the morning. Here's the same hourly chart. Guess what? They got to the highs. It looks more symmetrical. There's nuances to market symmetry. There's ways to use market symmetry both for entries and exits of trades. Those are all covered and taught in the course Lazy E-Mini Trader. Mainly, we use market symmetry for a guideline, one of the tools in our tool belt. Moving right along. Already, they get into the summer doldrum, Friday float mode, still pre-Labor Day market, and therefore, by the way, that's at the point in which we're going to expect things to start picking up in terms of volatility, maybe before, but certainly after we get through the Labor Day weekend. Here we have, if the bulls are in control, 338, give or take, will be support. You know the routine, here's a five-minute chart, right of the vertical, today's activity, 338 is the horizontal line. It was tested, it was tested enough, and that was the end of it, they took off to the upside, and then they did what? By the way, we see this all the time. They had a move higher, which was essentially a flagpole in the making. And then they had the flag, which is a bullish, flaggish kind of formation, resulting in another move in the upward direction. Remember 339 plus? They were going to get there. They got there. They creeped into it. A creeping market isn't necessarily going to reverse. We talked about that a couple of minutes ago. When you look all the way back here at 11 a.m., you can see they were on their way to 339. They came up six cents short that's a little bit of shenanigan dust thrown in but you can see they were trying to spike their way up there and they ended up pulling back although coming up short but still pulling back to where 338 running another test moving right along what happened as the day went on is they got into that slow motion market paint dry type of thing so pause the video read the notes go back to the chart see exactly what happened if you think that this information can be of value to you, and of course I'm biased, I think it can be, then you should at least do the research, do the homework to see what the stuff says and what happened after the fact. 1.20 p.m., thought I would throw this in there. Here's a picture of the IWM. We'll get to this later, but I thought it was interesting and of course worth mentioning because we talk about this kind of thing all the time. We know what would happen if it fails, and we know what happens the majority of the time. We'll talk more about the daily chart of the IWM when we get there. Moving right along, and into the end of the day. When it's a paint-dry kind of day, Friday, summer, that's it. We're cutting out early. That's just the way the business of trading works. About stocks on the move. So Baidu came close. We'll look at that chart real quick. PDD and BZUN. AU didn't do the deal, but the other two did. Take note of the entries. In particular, take note of the fact that we reached entry number one and two in PDD. So we'll take a look at both when we get to the chart. 
We'll start with the one that didn't. So Baidu, here's the reason I wanted to start with it. The number up on the board, 121.05. The low at 9.45 in the morning, or sorry, in the first candle of the day. It was really right at the open for the most part. The low was 121.10, missing by a nickel. Now there is a spread early in the morning, and maybe that explains part of it. Either way, these hurt when it happens, but there's a couple of takeaways. A, I know there's still some traders that jumped ahead of the number, so they made a boatload of money real quick. I mean, look what happened. By 10.15 in the morning, the high was 123.65. It's not a 10% gain or anything, but who wouldn't take that? The other takeaway is the number works. PDD. There were three numbers on the board in PDD. Funny thing is, I didn't even realize the third number worked too. I really wasn't watching at the end of the day. Not planning on doing anything, not even watching. But here's the deal. Good haircut at the open. You can see the first number on the board, 86.06. Nice quick rocket ride, making a high of 88.29, matter of minutes. Comes back down, second number, banters around a little bit, goes right back to the first number. High was 86.88 off of an 85.22 buy. Minutes again. Pretty stress-free situation going on there. Later in the day, comes into the third number, works until it doesn't, but nobody's trading that into the closing bell on Friday. Takeaway, the numbers worked. Nice base hit slash double type of trades. How about BZUN? Haircut at the open, number on the board, bright and early, 37.85. Nice little rodeo ride, but look at this. High in this candle, just minutes after the open, was 39.66. The takeaway, the numbers work. Support was in fact support. You got the reaction in the other direction. 37.85 or somewhere in there within pennies was in fact the destination. Hence the term stocks on the move. They're going somewhere. Let's get over to Camp IWM. The horizontal line at 153.43 is just arbitrary. The point that I'm making here is that you had an important pivot high. The actual high here is 153.39. So the point that I'm making here is that's actually the breakout area. Think about it. The market runs up to a spot and it pulls away pretty rapidly. That's the market's way of telling you, hey, that spot was important. You don't know it ahead of time, sometimes you do, but in this case, you absolutely know it after the fact. So we tuck it away, we use it for later. Sometimes they'll find resistance right back up there again. This time, they kind of consolidated underneath. They ate time off the clock, building energy to go higher. So when that happens, we don't have necessarily high hopes they're going to stop right there. We think they're going to go higher, and we talked about that at the time. The longer this goes on, the less likely they are to find resistance at this would-be double-top area. So guess what? They get above, and then they come back to do what? Check in at the former breakout area. This, by definition, was the breakout area because the market broke out past the old high. Pretty simple stuff. I'm not making this up. This is just absolutely the way the market works. So if that's the case, then you have a retest of a former breakout area. You have a 20-period moving average or home base. You have a breakup candle low, slightly lower, 153.15. So you have what I would call the makings of a full stack. Could you buy the IWM somewhere down in that 153 neighborhood, maybe a little higher, like right around the lows today, somewhere in that camp, and potentially have a pretty good risk-reward scenario? And the answer is yes, 
because under normal garden variety conditions, this would work at least for a few days. Now, if it didn't work, they're going to get below the low of that breakup candle. They're going to get below 153, which is also the 20 period moving average and the former breakout area. They're going to close the day below there, maybe two days in a row. And you're going to say, hey, I got to cut and run. This isn't working. I got to take my losses. But guess what? They're small and it was fast. If you have to lose it all, you want to lose small and fast. We can't win every trade. Nobody's going to win 100% of the time. So the awareness is that we have to lose sometimes. We go into every trade with conviction. Otherwise, we don't go in the trade at all. So we go in with the anticipation and the expectation that we're going to win 100% of the time. We have the awareness that that's just not going to happen. By the way, think time is more important than price right out of the lazy e-mini trader course. And then you'll notice that Again, we have another addition to the full stack. This is one of those things where in the 153s, you're going to take this trade 100 out of 100 times, and you're going to lose maybe 15 or 20 times. But you're going to win 80 or more times. Just doing a check-in at the RSP. Looks like the IWM. Kind of interesting, isn't it? Right into the 20 period moving average. Not the same setup in terms of the former high and all that breakout area. But just from a lower high perspective and the fact that they're into the 20 period moving average, we may see a rally for a couple of days here. If we get a melt up in the S&P, we'll get a melt up in the RSP too. But we're keeping an eye on the lower high scenario. It's a puzzle piece and it's on the table. What about the folks down at the transportation department? Any change? Absolutely not. What are they doing? They're making a bullish flaggish thing in an uptrend above the moving averages. There's nothing other to say than the trend is your friend until it's not. Closing out the second week in a row above this gap, it's a very bullish chart from a weekly chart perspective. This recovery was an awesome recovery right back above these moving averages. The trend is up, but beware at some point they're going to reverse again. Doesn't mean a collapse below the lows, but think about this for a second. Let's say they spike up to 11.5. I'm making it up out of whole cloth. And then we enter sometime in the near future, we enter a corrective phase in the market. We're not going to know that until we see the sign and signal of a trend change gives us something to trade against. We know that story. But let's say it starts. Let's say they come all the way back in to test these moving averages. Maybe they go lower eventually, but let's just say that's what happens. You're talking 16, 17, 18, 1900 points, something in that neighborhood from wherever they come from to get back into or even through those moving averages. That's painful while it's happening. The news cycle would have changed if that's happening. It won't feel like it does now if that's happening. The market does that all the time. It changes on a dime. Everybody gets the deer in the headlights look. And they forget that this is the way it works and it happens over and over and over again. Case in point, we'll take a detour. We'll talk about Apple for a moment. There's a monthly chart. And the reason I bring up the monthly chart is we have to look at this from a few different perspectives. First, the trend is up. The trend is your friend. Yeah, that's fine. But look where we are on the chart. It's in the redonkulous camp. That doesn't mean it can't go higher. We're at 500 bucks. Maybe they go to 550. Maybe they go to 600. We don't know. But here's the thing. Raise your hand 
if you think this is sustainable for another even two or three months. I would say it certainly can happen, but the odds would, it's not going to happen. 500, a big, fat, juicy round number. I think the high today was even a few pennies below that. The high was 499.47. So they made it look like they were going to get there, and then they came up short. No accidents, no coincidences. That's just the way it worked. Somebody decided that that was the way it was going to work. Who is that somebody? Is it a group of people? Is it an organization? Is it a thing? Can we see it, touch it, feel it? have no idea. Just using the common conspiracy theory banter. But this is at basically almost, I don't know what it is, but it's almost at a 90 degree angle. You know, one of these deals. The market doesn't work like this. That's a 90 degree angle. That's not the way the market works. How about the folks out in Silicon Valley? The Q's. One of the main reasons the Q's is doing what it's doing is because of Apple and its compadres or partners in crime. Amazon, Facebook, Microsoft, Netflix, Google. These are the stocks that make the Q's top heavy. This is the reason the Q's are in a perpetual uptrend. And it will stay that way as long as those stocks keep doing what they're doing. Once that changes, then the Q's will change. Here's a weekly chart. Anything to talk about other than the trend is your friend until it's not. And we're looking for, or at least on the lookout for, signs and signal of a trend change. It'll start from an intraday perspective. It'll morph in from a daily chart. It'll morph into a weekly chart, yada, yada, yada. Right now, we just move it along. How about the financials? No participation on the upside, down a fraction. Second day in a row, closing below the 20-period moving average. Interestingly enough, still above, on close, the breakup candle low. That low is 24.15. We didn't even get there today. They didn't get there today. That's going to be our line in the sand for the near term. Close daily below 24.15. No dice for the bulls. Trouble on the horizon. Smash mouth. Holding the 20-period moving average on the daily chart. Nice strong finish on Friday. No change. It's a pretty good proxy for the tech space. Staying above the 20-period moving average, among all the others, no trouble in the SMH. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. I'm David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.